Hey, good evening, One Church CEO. Welcome to another midweek conversation. We're doing this for our entire Planet Earth series. Last week, we had Peter Newman, uh, Dr. Peter Newman from Master's College and Seminary. Uh, those of you who are part of that conversation, I know you probably left here feeling like, whoa. It was a powerful conversation, an exploration of scripture and truth and and understanding not just the creation narrative, but maybe even understanding the biblical narrative, as well as how faith and science intersect with each other. It was such a great uh, tandem with the weekend message we kicked off, where we explored creation theology. How did God create this planet? Remember, we learned in week one, there's one chapter on how, and there's, there's hundreds of chapters on why, but that how portion is really cloaked and steeped in who. Who created this earth? And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then this, uh, this following weekend, this next weekend, Pastor Keith is going to be teaching on how we repair God's planet because sometimes we've been steeped maybe in a bit of a theology that the earth is somehow disposable, that it's going to kind of get burned up in judgment in the end and there's nothing left. But, but we, we're going to see in that week that God actually has a plan for us to be a part of his repairing of Broken, the brokenness of creation. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And that doesn't mean jettisoning this one. It's a recreation of this one. It's going to be fantastic teaching. And then following his, I want to tee up next week's live stream. Dr. Van Johnson is going to be with me. And he's actually going to be in the room, but safely distanced from me. And we're going to have a conversation about, I, somebody asked me to summarize it. I said, well, it's going to be about pandemics, vaccines, conspiracy theories, end times, the mark of the beast. Listen, in this, this fantastical moment, which has not been easy, it's been a hard moment, this pandemic, it's created a lot of apocalyptic kind of leanings and thought processes and some paranoia and, and a lot of different voices rising up. And Dr. Van's going to help us to see it in the context of church history and biblically. How do we navigate this? Not as we learned in the Easter weekend, the Herod way or the Pharisee way, but the Jesus way. So if we do it the Jesus way, we're going to come out on the other side a little bit more Jesus-y. And I think that would be a wonderful thing. Today, though, we're going to piggyback off the back of that fantastic teaching by Dr. Catherine Hayhoe. I've heard from so many of you already. And on the weekend in the chat room, you were filling it. I know so many of you appreciated her, Is you know, her level of expertise and her depth of passion for Jesus and her faith in God. And, uh, you know, you certainly saw this woman who's grown up in a Christian home and married to a pastor now, and actually he's a linguistics expert, and he teaches at Texas Tech University. She does too. And what a fantastic weekend with Catherine. So this weekend, I'm going to invite actually Matt Smith to join me. Matt is on our directional leadership team. There you are, Matt. He's in the... Hey, buddy. Hey, you don't often get to see this view, but this is the room... (laughs) Where One Church TO Live, all of our weekend gatherings kind of flows out of this room, doesn't it? Yeah, we have a great team that have put together a bit of a spaceship here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm right in the, in the Hubble telescope. I've got a great view of the Earth, and it's great to be with everybody tonight. Really looking forward to tonight's conversation. Yeah, what's that David Bowie song about <laughs> the space? Or <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not coming to yeah, me right now. it's not coming now, to me either. Yeah, Throw it in the chat yeah. room if you actually know what it is. Uh, but, you know, I, I want Pastor Matt to be about this conversation for a couple of reasons. One is, as we talk and unpack a little bit of the last two weekends, because we're going to kind of combine the last two weekends, 
And we're looking at the series of questions that keep coming up in the chat room. And we're hoping you're going to ju- jump in with your thoughts and opinions and questions throughout tonight because we want to we want to dialogue with you. But I, I love Pastor Matt's heart first for biblical theology, uh, his study and preparation and how we've been exploring and even he's been exploring the whole creation narrative for some time, but also to the practical application. Now, I know you were like a champion of the earth. I, I know that the UN gave that to Catherine, <laughs> but you, you kind of got dubbed that by Jerry, who's in our chat room. In week one, he called you, what yeah. did he call you, champion of the earth or something? No, I think, to be fair, I called myself the champion of the earth, and it was it was all for the press. It was all for the promo, just to get some people into uh, this Love Earth Challenge. And speaking of the champion, I'm, I'm already failing at this job. I forgot to turn on the light, so I'll be right back. I can still hear you. Keep going. <laughs> turn on the light? Yeah. I'm not sure what that means, but hopefully everybody can see us and... Space Oddity. No, uh, Roseanne, we're trying to, I'm trying to think of, I don't know what that David Bowie song is. And I know that the uh, Canadian astronaut, Chris something, he sung it from outer space with his guitar, Captain something, I think, or whatever. But thanks, Roseanne, for taking a, a, there we a go. run at that. Oh, there you go. Much better. Much better. Much better. <laughs> there you are. Sorry for that. Uh, if, uh, if Jeff is watching, I'm sorry, I forgot to turn on the light. He had this all set up for me perfectly, and I screwed that up. So anyway, yes, uh, not the champion of the world. But listen, we've been, Jonathan, I've been having this conversation with you since I was first uh, uh, hired by One Church TO. And uh, you actually were part of hiring right. me back in, in the day. And I remember one of the first times I like I, I was not being directly led by you. I, I we had I had an awesome leader, and but I I came to you because I, I knew that this was something that you cared about too. And I said, hey, are we ever going to do some stuff like eco stuff, some green stuff as an organization, as a church? And you were like, what <laughs> as a great leader does? You you said if you see a job to do, it's yours. You know, like you said, what are you going to do about it, right? And so uh, we've been having conversations here and there about about this stuff. Uh, <laughs> I was I was not saving energy by being in the dark, Roseanne. Um, <laughs> but we've been we've been having these conversations for a long time. But you know, there has been a number of things that have led up to this moment where it's it's truly the right time to be having this conversation. Uh, but it's not the first time we've been talking about it, for sure. Uh, listen, I, I owe an apology to Roseanne. You are right. It is Space Odyssey, uh, David Bowie, the song I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. So you're right about that. I didn't recognize the <laughs> the name. I mean, uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed Matt's conversations about this, and we've been on a journey as a church community. You're going to see this coming weekend, a little bit of video of where we've been. But uh, over the last number of years, we've taken real practical steps to lower our carbon footprint as a as a church, and uh, and also just some efficiencies to save money for the church because the more we can save on like a light bill, the more we can send in the ministry environments to help people, and that's really been our heart for some time. So let's jump in. If you're in yep. the chat already, great. We're gonna have some questions for you, but Matt, why don't you kick us off with some questions and let's let's get into the, our discussion tonight. So I'm gonna put this in in the, uh, the chat room too, but Jonathan. We had a fantastic conversation this weekend. Lots of great questions. But what what did you take away from this this weekend? Um, yeah, that I, I could have written that a little tidier. But uh, you can see the 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 rough idea there. The question that we're going to discuss: What did we find challenging? 
What did you find um, exciting new information that you didn't know before this past weekend with Catherine? Yeah, I, I think I mentioned it on the weekend that I think the way she tied climate change to loving people and yeah. uh, the direct correlation to poverty, those people who are most marginalized and hurt by the small changes to our climate and world around us. And I think when she told us that there were 90 companies that were responsible for almost two-thirds of the pollution <laughs> in this world and climate change, this is the criminal level of this. It's not just the individual, which we all have a responsibility, but there is a corporate societal responsibility. And I, I was quite challenged by that, especially the, the loving God part, or loving people right. part. I never saw it in that light, but uh, I can clearly see how it's connected now. Yeah, it makes it more of a moral issue as opposed to an ideological exactly. issue, right? Um, for me, I would say what what uh, really struck me was how many factors are showing us that things are, are going in the bad a bad direction. I, I forget what the quote was. I wish I could have... She was... Man, the stuff that she remembered off the top of her head was ridiculous. You think she did this for a living, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I know. But uh, she she said something like, there's, there's I, I don't know, hundreds of factors that they've been able to measure that show a, a difference, a measured difference in uh, the, uh, in our climate or in nature yeah. that, that were isolated to humans' interaction. So they weren't like uh, a new a new ice age. They weren't they weren't that type of thing. Th- they were actually going against the trend of natural processes in the world, uh, and that that to me was I you know you know about the ice caps melting, you know about the the floodwaters rising, you know about you know weather patterns changing. But that was about all I knew. I didn't realize that it was it was so good. I mean the the ticks. Oh yeah, I, know. I got I got bit by a tick yeah, last year. Yeah. Uh, or two years ago, and that was freaky. I didn't want to get Lyme disease, but yeah, I had no idea that was why we we have ticks up in our area. So that was huge. Well, listen, I was uh, praying for forgiveness for hating on winter so much because she <laughs> yeah, helped right. us to see how necessary that is to the way God has created this planet and uh, balance so beautifully the environment. You, when you think about how the Earth has been set on its precise orbital path that a degree to the left or the right would be disastrous for human life. I mean, there's so many things that speaks to the perfect creator who created all things and set the uh, world in its place. I, I can see in the chat room, Roseanne and Jerry coming up. You Do you have those comments, Matt? Just a couple of yeah, things? Yeah, totally. we want to read those out? Yeah, so Roseanne's got uh, how Dr. Hayhoe dispelled the myths surrounding climate change so succinctly. And you know what? I'm actually going to throw into the chat room. She mentioned a website where a guy, it, it's a skepticalscience.com, he, uh, he actually goes through a lot of the different arguments uh, or, or, you know, myths sometimes around why climate change doesn't exist or that the science is wrong um, and actually finds the science behind it and dispels it. But, yeah, that was fantastic. And Jerry's mentioning the blanket visual of global warming. Oh, that was so good. All the, all the, the CO2 and trapping gases. It took it from a place of, like, science to just, like, oh, I get it yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I, I think, too, I mean, Jerry, because you're in the chat room, we're going to lean on you a little bit. Uh, if you don't <laughs> mind putting in a link for Go Love Army, because uh, obviously we're going to get to this at the end of our conversation. We're going to talk a little bit about some practical things, but 
I think it's really good that we keep in front of us some of the challenges through Love Army. Uh, you know, we are doing, I, you know, I, I don't get to often say this on the weekend because our weekends are very condensed and we have a, a finite period of time. But I am going to say this, that Love Army is a critical part of our discipleship process here at One Church CO. We, we know this, that a lot of, uh, I could preach a, a hundred sermons uh, on reaching people and being missional and it could not change anyone's behavior. We know that behavior modification is the biggest part of discipleship. It's behaving like Jesus. And so Love Army is the front edge of that, that it begins to help us to look. When we leave our doors, we're looking at our neighbors differently. We're looking at this world differently. We're looking to give. We're looking to be generous. We're looking to do good, as opposed to what can we take from this moment? What can I get from my neighbors? How do I keep people away? You know, And it changes the posture of our hearts which opens up the application of all the information that we already have. So you, I'm hoping this Love Army Challenge, and uh, oh, uh, Matt put it in there, beat you to it, Jerry. I'm hoping this yep. Love Army Challenge is something that we will uh, be able to uh, engage in as a church, not just around this. We've got exciting challenges to come. Jerry, unpack them today with us, Matt. Pretty exciting. Yeah, and you know what, Jonathan? When it comes to all the faith, uh, sharing our faith, explaining it, opening up that part of our lives to people. When it comes, uh, you know, w- with two hands, one hand of, of that faith, but the second hand of practical exp- expressions of love and care, it's so much more palatable for those that we talk to, right? It, without, without those conversations being, you know, r- with another blanket of expressions of love. If we just go to people cold and they don't know that our yeah. lives are generous, lives. It's really hard to have those conversations. You know, they often faith. quote it, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. You know, like that, Absolutely. that kind of approach. Well, we've got, we've got a lot of different ways we can go tonight. Yeah. And um, we're, we're going to invite you to participate in, the, in this as well. Jump into the chat but, room, friends. Uh, there's only, there's, uh, I, we've only been through two weekends and uh, there at, there have been so many different ways we could have taken this in terms of conversation today. One, uh, obviously the faith aspect, uh, and some of which you outlined a bit from week one, science from this past week. But you know what came up a little bit this, this past weekend too is politics. Mm. That's something. And then something that I think if we, you know, if we didn't have the Love Army, we wouldn't be able to have a good handle on this is practice. How do we practice things that we're learning? So we'll try and get through as much as we can. If you have, you know, if you have anything that you find out interesting, um, feel free to do that. Feel free to, to chime in and we'll, we'll jump into it. But let's start with faith. That comment, that rada, that dominion versus domination right. was a fascinating uh, uh, little um, linguistic uh, uh, teaching from Catherine this past weekend. I, I think of, uh, I grew up in the East Coast, Matt, so the fisheries were a big part of the way of life in the maritime provinces. And when the fisheries collapsed, when I was really young, it was in the early 80s or something like that, the fisheries collapsed and they closed down. It was precisely because uh, we were rada in terms of a dominance. We were, we were taking, taking. We weren't diminuing uh, in terms of stewarding the resources that God had given. And that mass overfishing, and there was a, a mm. lot of abuses when I was growing up. 
I mean, people fished uh, and threw away so many of the fish that weren't the ones they were supposed to catch, and they all died. Right. It was a, a, like an incredible waste. Bycatch. And, and the uh, byproducts that were left over for the nets, all kinds of stuff that were done that was harmful to the environment. And we saw the collapse of it. Uh, as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to push back against uh, the uh, unsustainable uh, you know, uh, dominance of the world instead to be stewards and dominion of the, uh, of the world. And so I, I think when uh, Catherine and the weekend made that distinction, what is our calling? Uh, you know, we're made in God's image. We are image, image bearers here on earth. And that means we kind of act like Jesus did when he walked this earth. And Jesus was Absolutely. always recycling and restoring people. <laughs> And, yeah. and he was always about leaving every conversation and place he lived better than when he went. Oh, Amen. You are, you are leading us perfectly into this weekend. I know what Pastor Keith is teaching us okay. on and even how that leads us into a time of communion together. And uh, I am so pumped for this weekend's gathering. Um, and it's exactly that. Like if we are image bearers and he cares for us, how does he show care? How does he rada for us? Right. Well, we, we, we want to image bear that well. We want to be uh, imaging him well to creation and how we care for, for what he's put in our hands and be faithful with That's that. That's so good, man. Okay, uh, just a quick shout out. Jerry put a story. Someone, <laughs> someone said they can't challenge me. I've, this, is, this is going down. I, I'm, 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 I, okay, let's just jump in. We'll keep throwing down the, the, the Love Earth champion. I'll still keep that, that in, in my... my, my uh, the cap, the feather in the yeah. cap. But w- just read through that comment. How many things that that one person uh, is doing that Jerry just shared there? That, that, that was is me. awesome. Oh, was it? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a little unfair. We shouldn't be yeah, sharing yeah, your story. No, no. Uh, uh, and uh, Roseanne, uh, yeah, in the condo, not really turning on the heat much. Mm. That's awesome. Um, Okay, just back to the to the faith aspect. Anything that you're seeing in the chat room, anything that was resonating with you, even back to week one when you're talking about Genesis, how uh, it wasn't uh, it, the. Sometimes we we look at the textbook uh, and we think we're, it's teaching a different subject. You know, yeah. sometimes it, it, we're looking at a cooking text textbook, expecting it to tell us, uh, uh, you know, like what are the chemical components. Right. Uh, of, right. of of the the recipe and like what what is what is in an egg really what's is, is it proteins and and that's all it's trying to make help you make a, a really beautiful cake and the, the the meaning comes from like what what is what is that that actually trying to tell you right uh, as opposed to reading what we, we a completely different lens on it right Jonathan? so Matt throw in the chat room the Bible project that you follow and I'll tell you why friends. Uh, Peter touched on it last week when he talked about, we, we came down to, because, you know, he was challenging the way we read scripture and the way we understand it. And I knew that people were thinking like, well, how do we read this, Peter? And he said, carefully, carefully mm. and with a level of expertise. Now, some of us have a real interest and we dive deep and you get nerdy about it and that's awesome. Some of you don't and that's okay. All I'd say is curate the voices you listen to then. Uh, this is the difficulty in Christendom when I see YouTube videos forwarded to me, all kinds of things that are terrible hermeneutics of Scripture. And they're often 
fear-mongering or conspiracy-driven and all, all of that. I, and I, I've seen it all in the Christian world. And I'd say curating the voices you listen to is critical. I did I had an email exchange with a young man uh, coming out of uh, the first week when I talked about Paul's theology maturing, Matt, you know, and how if you read the Pauline literature chronologically, and he was struggling with the idea, if Paul's theology changed, how can you trust Scripture? And I, and I said to him in response, I talked about what does it mean for Scripture to be inspired? And the Holy Spirit inspires Scripture, and he inspires people to record things in Scripture so that we can know God, that he can, we can understand how he relates to us, how we get to relate to him. But it's, it's kind of interesting in Scripture how it highlights none of our heroes are perfect except Jesus. I, I love that before Peter has this vision in the book of Acts, there was no go into all the world. Even though Jesus commanded it, go into all the world meant head into the rest of Israel because they were God's people. And Peter right. has this vision and he goes to Cornelius, those first Gentiles. And this gives way to Paul, the first missionary and all these missionary journeys. And if that never happened, there's none of us, unless you're Jewish listening right now, none of us that right. are included in the kingdom. Well, what happened there? A shift in understanding. New information came. And then all of a sudden they adjusted their practices and beliefs because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So all of a sudden, the church in Jerusalem couldn't be just about Jews. It was about Gentiles too. And that made it awkward. It meant a ton of change. And the same goes when we're reading scripture. Understanding, you've heard us at One Church Theo say this a lot, understanding the type of scripture you're reading is critical to understanding what it's saying. If you're reading Proverbs, don't treat them like promises. They're never intended to be that. That's not that genre of scripture. If you're reading poetic literature, recognize the symbolism and apocalyptic literature. Because Van was, Dr. Van Johnson was so good at this in our YOLO series. Apocalyptic literature is not a modern form of literature. It's one of the hardest forms of scripture to right. understand. And that's why we do get a lot of funniness around revelations. And some of us even find a lot of anxiety around it because it's been used to fear, build in fear. And a lot of the imagery that's used in apocalyptic literature, people try to find codes in and all kinds of things. And right. often it's because we don't understand how to read it. And that's why good resources are important. Matt? Yeah. So I just threw uh, a link, a course that I've been taking. It's a, a seminary level course. So if you're a Bible nerd, you'll love it. Um, but it's like, it's like, uh, like uh, 30 hours of course material. So it's something to commit to if you're interested, but it's really diving deep into that Genesis narrative. And Jonathan, I think if, if we're doing our job well as church leaders, we're helping people see that the Bible isn't something where you, you close your eyes, flip to a page and put your finger down and God's going to, you know, sometimes in his grace, he uses moments like yeah. that. But really to understand the Bible, there's layers of meaning and it's something that we dive into and we, we really like, it's like mining the scriptures and in, in, that's why we have such great teaching in our weekend well, gatherings. It's, I'm thankful it's for experts important. like Dr. Peter Newman theologically or Dr. Catherine Hayhoe uh, ecologically and climate-wise because uh, I'm a practitioner as a pastor. I don't have time to give my whole life to the study of you know, a chapter of the Bible. And people do that. 
and to a few verses, they give their entire life to it. But I can benefit from their work and be able to help curate. And even the conversation we're having right now, Planet Earth, you know, and this kind of leans into the political side of things, Matt. Why are we as a church even having this conversation? Some would say that these are conversations that maybe churches shouldn't have. And, you know, of course, right. I, I've, heard, I've heard those emails. I've gotten those emails uh, before. It's the same when we deal with race issues, societal issues in our, in our world, and it's uncomfortable. And I, I'm the first to acknowledge that these are uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. But this is the application of our faith in the world we live in. Amen? If it doesn't touch every area of our life, it's not a real true belief system. It's not a faith that really has implications. It's just something that's a really nice routine. You know what I mean? It, um, it, it's really, it's really got to be in every area of life. So if you want to talk politics, let's jump into politics. And I have a wonderful friend uh, who, who is very much on the, on the bleeding edge of climate science in Canada. Not climate science, climate activism in Canada. Yeah. And he, he posted this recently. I'll share, share you this, uh, this little picture. So <laughs> I thought this was hilarious. Uh, so much of the, 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 the narrative around climate change, why bother? Uh, I, 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 and we had a conversation about this previous, previously today, and I, I mentioned this, yeah. so you can, you can kind of see it. It, it, it. What if it's a big hoax and we create a better world for nothing? <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's such a, a, an interesting, when you think about it that way, we're making, uh, we're ma- we're making steps uh, towards making the world a better place, it, um, it's not necessarily a political thing for us. Uh, we, we are, we're not making choices that way, well, right? You, you know, it's uh, funny when you brought that up because I love that cartoon. That was so good. I couldn't help but remember, and some of you listening may remember, uh, Charles Yates, a pastor that was on staff. And, of course, uh, Matt, you knew him, Charles well. But Charles was yeah. a, a little British man, a uh, man of integrity. Uh, every one of us on staff had nothing but respect for him. I remember having coffee with him once, and he said, he said, you know, sometimes I've had my doubts. I've had people challenge me and say, Charles, what if, you know, y- you, you believe all this, you live all this, and you die, and on the other side, there's nothing. And I remember him saying with a coffee, Tim Horton's coffee cup in front of him, saying, Jonathan, if I lived a kinder, better, more generous uh, giving life, then even if there isn't any on the, uh, thing on the other side, I've lived a better life. And I, I loved, I loved his. Uh, it's not all about what we get out of something. Right. It's what we give into, and the conversation that makes this what's so difficult about a Planet Earth conversation is, we may not in our lifetime fully see the effects of the individual con- contributions we make, but it's worth doing it for future generations. Some love here for for Pastor Yates. Matt, there's they don't come better than than Pastor Yates. Yeah. Um, so so Jonathan, why why is um, why is this such a political conversation? Um, why when we 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 go to a conversation like this, do we get questions about politics? Um, in fact, I'll look one up. We had a really good one on the weekend that maybe it will kind of jumpstart some of this. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. But why, why is this a, a political conversation? Yeah, while, like while well, I, I had a call from someone in our church this week, uh, you know, uh, struggling with a different, it wasn't attached to this last weekend, but a different issue in politics and wondering where we stand on things. And, 
And, you know, I, I appreciate people, thoughtful people that are trying to think through the challenging sound bites of today against the Jesus way. And, you know, right. as we talked about in the Easter weekend, there's Herod's way. And in Jesus' world, it was dominated by Herod's way, which is a secular way. There was a way to get things done. There was a, a power structure and it, it got results and results was what it was all about. And then there was the Pharisee way, the religious way. And again, it, it got results, it got things done. And there were some good that came from it, but both of them had this cancel culture in them. They had this thing. And then there's the Jesus way. And that's what we're trying to be as a church. Uh, even Matt, over the last year and a half, as I've talked about racial issues, uh, as the society kind of blew up over this last year, and George uh, uh, Floyd, Floyd was yeah. a, a big part of that narrative. And, you know, I, I, got, I got the messaging, you know, was I left liberal and all, all kinds of stuff. And I, I remember one really thoughtful person in our congregation, I really appreciate this man, he, he, he emailed me, he was struggling with it. He said, you know, I feel like is the liberal left media influencing you and what we're teaching at One Church CO? And I sent hmm. a link back to him of three previous messages, or at least maybe two previous messages from the last five years that I had spoken right to a T to the same issue, the same message. And, you know, to credit to him, he came back and he said, ah, oh, pastor, I see this is a passion in you flowing from scripture, not from sound bites from the media. And I said, hundred percent, that's what motivates me. I know it gets hijacked politically, and it makes me, uh, it's upsetting. I listen to yeah. both ends, and this is not a right-wing issue or a left-wing issue. They both have issues. And I can see yeah. it in the public narrative, but I, I don't really, well, I say this with generosity, I don't really care what they think. I'm really trying to discern, what does Jesus say? Because Jesus is going to rub both of those wings the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Both of those wings are not going to be happy. You know, we talked about it on the weekend, Dr. Scott Sauls, when he says, you know, Jesus was too liberal for the conservatives and he was too conservative for the liberals. And that's where I want to find me. There are going to be people on the conservative spectrum that will be wondering. There will be people on the liberal mm. uh, 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 wing that will be wondering because we're trying to do it the Jesus way. And that's, that's, that's harder to occupy that space. You know, as you're talking, Jonathan, it makes me think uh, of what a shame it is when we allow uh, certain conversations that are really important to become completely politicized. Yeah. Because then it makes sensible conversation uh, a really a really big challenge and actually silences a lot of sensible voices because they say, what's the point? I don't want to align myself. I don't want to be seen as political. And so they just silence their voice. And that's one of the things that Catherine really challenged us was to speak yeah. out. And for me, uh, one of the challenges is I don't want to, you know, light a stick of dynamite in the middle of a conversation and just hold on to it, yeah. you know. Hey, so like what are you doing for, for – our church is doing this series called Planet Earth because we care about the earth. And just like – like that that feels like a, a, <laughs> a culturally dangerous thing to do. Uh, I love uh, I love that we have this question in in the chat room, and let's unpack this a bit. Sure. Uh, it, it's they they were really I, I really appreciate their tone. This seems to be an intellectually robust talk designed to create a sense of urgency about climate change, thereby representing one viewpoint. I'm wondering if One Church TO has any plans of having an equally scholarly, qualified speaker present an opposing view to climate change as a means to provide a balanced view. 
or does Wunscher's TO only plan on leaving this issue with one side being represented? <laughs> that, that's a little loaded. I love that last part. Felt like yeah. it was a little bit of a dig there, but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like the question too, and that's why I posed it to Catherine Hayhoe because I knew she would be open to responding to that. Uh, first off, it was respectful, so I, I, I appreciate that. But yeah. but I, I think I think uh, her answer was fantastic uh, when she went through if. If you're talking about the scientists with the credentials to be able to speak to this properly, uh, you know, there, you won't find one in North America that will deny climate change. And she said, you'll find four that say it's not serious. And you'll find right. thousands that say it's serious. And this is the hard part when it gets in a political uh, stew and you get entrenched in an ideology. So you, then you mm. become suspicious of anyone that holds a different ideology Right. Uh, I don't, again, I, I don't know where on the political spectrum that should land. I know conservative friends who are very concerned for the environment. I know people more on the liberal wing that are very concerned about the environment. So I know people in both camps. Uh, like, but for me, it's about what do the facts drive towards. And that's got to be, we want truth. And, uh, and what the science is saying and what our faith says through scripture reinforces that we should be messaging this. But I think to your point, uh, you know, Jesus said, don't throw your pearls before swine. There's sometimes right. that people are so <laughs> entrenched. And, you know, if you're watching One Church CEO, never be that person that becomes so entrenched that you're not mm -hmm. open to truth, even if it hit you over the head. Uh, I wow. went to college with a guy, and I remember he just couldn't be wrong. And I remember once, now I'm going to reveal my age, where in a, an encyclopedia, where he said something, I said, "No, it's, it's not true." And I opened an encyclopedia and showed him, and he said, <laughs> "You mean Wikipedia?" Yeah, right? yeah, Wikipedia now. <laughs> but it was an encyclopedia, Matt. And he said to me, he said, "He said, well, the encyclopedia is wrong." <laughs> well, I knew then. I knew then. He's not interested in truth. He's right. so wrapped up in a belief. And if your belief isn't rooted in truth, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then your belief will lead you astray. And that's why right. it's not so much what you believe, it's what is true. You know, uh, you, the old analogy was always, they believed the Titanic was unsinkable until it right. hit something that challenged that belief and the truth was <laughs> revealed. It right. was sinkable. And that's how a lot of people skate through Christianity and, and uh, they form beliefs around uh, uh, echo chambers and confirmation bias moments. And this is why being a person of scripture is so important. You, you started this whole series with this illustration about vice grips and making sure the vice grips were on the right things yeah. because otherwise we can get locked into something that will shake our world if it changes or, or if, we, uh, if we, we are challenged on it. Um, and, you know, I, I think about an illustration that we've used often. I think you're the first person who talked to me about it, about even how when we... When we Give me a second to unpack it, yeah. and then I'll apply it. But when we start on staff, you talk about the keys mm -hmm. that you get put into your hand. And, uh, you know, like, we're, we're always going to be open-handed with the responsibilities. This is a privilege to work at a church and to be able to serve his, his bride. You know, it's a lot like our beliefs, too. Like, we, we, when you clamp down on something, uh, it's, there's going to be situations in life that tug at, at what you're clamping down on. And if you're clamping down on Jesus, he will be faithful. And it might be painful at yeah. times, but it's worth it. 
it's worth clamping down on that with your, with your hand. But if you're clamping down on a side issue, eventually it could be torn out of your hand. And at that point, the pain will be a whole other level and you'll be left with nothing in the end of it, right? I, I love what Dr. Tim Keller says when he said, uh, Jesus is the only person upon closer inspection exceeds your expectations. And so I know good. there will be no truth ever revealed that will diminish the person of Jesus and what he has done for every human being. So when I talked about vice gripping and even turning that knob to even tighten the grip, uh, you know, so we talk about Jesus all the time at One Church CO because we are trying to make sure that your central vice grip clicks on the person of Jesus. And if you can grab onto him and not let go of him and grow deeper in him, all of these issues get informed along the way. My idea about the world and how I treat creation and steward what God has given me all flows from the person of Jesus, my understanding of who he is. That's awesome. I see in the chat room, Aloha Man just put, stewarding the environment is paramount, but equally important is to not make the environment an idol based on a cause. Mm. Uh, that goes right in with this, this uh, conversation with politics. But this is actually going to, we're going to end tonight around that that question about like where where do we put this in priority uh, where does this actually fall so we'll come back to that but that's especially when it comes around ideological uh, elements it's so easy for us to get them out of order if it's something that we really feel is is valuable and, and it's something worth fighting for right yeah I, I think uh, Aloha man first shout out to that comment because uh, like like Matt just said any sort of side issue, or fringe issue could become central, and there's only one person that deserves central billing in our lives, and that's the person of Jesus. But because we follow the Jesus way, it does mean we live our life in such a way that we live out his values, and that means we are interested in the climate, we are interested in the poor, we are interested in race issues. And Jesus is central, but he's fueling in us a passion for those things. Thankfully, Jesus never said, it's either this or that. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He doesn't make it that type of decision. He says, because you've, it's either you're in me or you're out of me, when we're mm-hmm. in him, then we live, we live the Jesus way. And that includes right. how we steward this planet and what God places in our hands. Okay, to wrap up this, this politics section, how do we handle it, Jonathan? When we are, are faced with the question, if someone challenges us uh, and, and uh, you know, th- maybe they even just ask us that question. I think you got asked a similar question this week coming out of this past weekend. Mm. How do we handle politics? Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it, I, I think Christians shouldn't uh, run away from that space. It's like uh, encouraging uh, our kids to be in science, to be in areas. I love seeing Christians in every layer of society. And politics... You know, I my my son worked a little bit in politics on on Capitol Hill and it, or Capitol Hill, sorry, Parliament Hill, and it changed my perspective. I realized that a lot of politicians we have a very cynical view of them, but a lot of them right. truly are servants trying to do better for culture and society, and from their own vantage point in their own way. But but there's some right. good motivation there, more than than there is maybe some selfish motivation. So that's why we pray for those in authority. That's why. I pray for my prime minister, I pray for my premier, I pray for my mayor, 
Uh, it doesn't mean I always agree with them. It doesn't mean I always right. like everything they do at all. Right. But but I respect that they are serving the public good, and I pray that they do that well. <laughs> and uh, uh, because it's it's not an easy role to do. But I think that you go ahead. Sorry, no. I was just going to say that, and and that's the narrative that we see from the early church, who were then under the rule of one of the most uh, oppressive uh, regimes to the church ever. Right. You know, like we, at times we can feel like some of the decisions being made with COVID or whatever might be causing some restrictions specifically feel like, oh man, they're locking down on churches, man. We have, we have nothing compared to what the Romans were, were doing to, to the, to the early Christians. And yet look how, how, uh, how much they showed that type of respect for the seat of authority and they prayed look for at, them and, and they, Jesus render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And I, I think too, friends, I know we're a little off topic, but because I'm a pastor, I hear a lot in church world, and sometimes there's a narrative that the government is persecuting the church. Friends, we're not under persecution. We're in a pandemic. And, right. uh, you know, many of you might not know this, but the Canadian government has done wage subsidies for all churches in Canada and charities that has allowed right. us to keep our staff employed even when finances took dips. And the only reason many pastors are still even employed is because of that wage subsidies. And a lot of people don't, under, don't know the Canadian government has done a lot. And I'm not, I'm not saying they're perfect. And I certainly haven't agreed with everything. And I'm the first to say it. But, but I, I do think we frame things through a, a lens of distrust and conspiracy quite a bit. And next week's live stream is going to help us maybe reframe some of that. But when it comes to navigating politics, the secular way or the Herod way is we want to take over politics. We want to get Christians and everything. We're a Christian nation, and there's a sense of dominance that comes from that. And, and the religious way might be even to uh, detach from the politics and not engage at all. The Jesus way, always engaged. Engaged at all levels, but engaged in a way with kingdom values. So, you know, I always say to you guys at One Church, Theo, voting should never be easy. It's right. only easy when you stop thinking. And you know, like, I only vote for this party or I only vote for that party. Uh, man, yeah. uh, every election is a prayerful, hard moment for me because I have yeah. to read through all their policies. And I realize some of them are really good on the environment some of them are really good on the poor. Some of them are fiscally really good. And, you know, I wish I could find it in one package. <laughs> but, but, but I'm doing the best to be led by God, to pray for who are to vote for who I, I, I can. You know, as a church, though, we, we're not, we don't get political. I've never told no. you how I voted. And why would you care? Uh, I really want us to have Jesus so formed in us that that would motivate us when, even when we're casting a vote. And I hope even when the people get in that we don't didn't vote for, we are automatically praying for them, uh, because that's yeah. what the what God asks us to do. This is one of the things I love about the Christian faith, Jonathan, is that that we have such a high responsibility of our contribution. We we see that that we take high responsibility. Mm -hmm. We we own that that we're going to be there for our community. We're going to be engaged. We're going to be fully present here. While we're on earth, uh, we're going to do our very best to express that, uh, whether it's environmentally or politically or whatever. But all, the other thing is we're not ruled by the outcomes. Going back to Aloha Man's uh, uh, comment is, is we're not making it the ultimate. 
So when our, our po- politician is not elected, it doesn't throw off the course of history for That's us. It. It, doesn't, it doesn't put us in a place where, where our, our lives are being ultimately sh- you know, shook. That's that, that holding on to the wrong thing, well, right? Look at the devastation. And again, I, I love America. Love Americans. So if you're American, I'm glad you're here. But um, <laughs> look at how entrenched some parts of the church became with a political leader or a political way. And then yeah. so devastated when he didn't get reelected and stuff. And I, right. you know, I have no comment on him as a person or anything. I, I'm not making any statement about that. I'm just saying, be careful where you put your eggs. Our eggs right. are in the Jesus way. So that means that no matter what, we're not devastated by that. We already know God has a plan and he's working that plan. And, and, we, and we're, we're trying to fit into what God has. And Aloha, man, you're right. Uh, it's not a primary, but it is primary to the person of Jesus that we live our ways and steward our days in a way right. that uh, exemplify him. And for me, it's a connected to the gospel, Aloha, man, and uh, anyone listening in that when people see us actually caring for the world around us, and that be the poor, the widow, the orphan, uh, climate change, racial injustice, we actually care about these things because we want to become, as Jerry would say, an unignorable force of good in the city. This is really uh, being salt and light. It's hmm. making the Christian faith tastier because they realize, wow, <laughs> this leads to life. This is they're they're yeah. concerned about what I'm what I'm oppressed by or what I'm going through. That's why these conversations get forwarded. And if you know notice in the balance of our scripture here at One Church Theo, how many times have we actually talked on the subject? Not much. So right. it, it's not like it demands a weekly cycle or a monthly cycle, or but but it, it's certainly something we can't ignore. Yeah, it's funny how much Jesus would move away from that that uh, conversation about politics. Yeah. Eh? I, one, we'll come back to sure. this, but one thing that I love, just you brought it up in a number of ways, but you know, you you had that person come to you this week and say, "How do yeah. I how do I handle politics?" Yeah. And that is the answer, I think. With many of these things that are confusing or are there's no simple answer, the point is not to run away, but to a- ask the question and to thoughtfully look into it. I love how Roseanne is saying it, that she, she goes through the detail and figures out what the candidates are standing for and, and then chooses who to vote for. That's what it means to, to really truly be political like, like Jesus would want us to be, right? right? Um, before we, before we close that up and talk about next steps, why don't we just go back for a second and talk about science. Um, and, uh, you know, I would love to hear if there's any, any science nerds jump into the chat room and I would love to hear, can we just take a minute and riff on how science actually can lead us to be, like believe in, 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 uh, in God? And I, you know, we're, we're going to hear a little bit about this this weekend, too. Right. I mean, I'm so, I'm so stoked about this weekend. But, um, you know, for me, I, I, I actually did two years of science at university. And I, I remember sitting in a biology class, and we're, we're reading about birds. And uh, the, the, uh, the pulmonary system of birds is so uniquely uh, designed that... You, you ever wonder how birds stand outside in the winter and they don't freeze their feet off? <laughs> and uh, the, there's, like, the vein and artery going down their legs are designed to be in close contact with each other 
so that as the, the blood flows away from their warm, uh, uh, not fur, their feathered yeah. section, yeah. Uh, it warms the blood heading back into the body and cools it heading out. And it, it's this like heat transfer wow. system designed in the legs of, of a bird. I remember sitting there in the middle of this lecture and I, I felt like this, I, I was in a cathedral moment. Like I was just like, oh my goodness, this is, this is the wonder, the splendor of creation. The moments that we talk about uh, or we, we see in the Psalms when, when, you know, we look to the heavens and we see how wonderful it is. What are you, that you're mindful of us. This is the splendor and everything in creation. Uh, th- that was a moment for me. If anyone else has a moment like that, I would love to, you to share your science nerd moments uh, um, in there, uh, in the I, chat I room. got one to throw at you, Matt. Uh, it was probably eight, ten years ago, maybe. I'm in a room with Dr. Francis Collins. Uh, That's pretty yeah, cool. Who mapped the human genome. Uh, if you saw our Alpha Weekend, you saw a little clip of him giving his testimony. He was an atheist. and But, but he, he talked about, with a group of pastors, there's about 200 of us there. He said, uh, he said, people ask me all the time when I'm mapping the human DNA, you know, am I playing God or something like that? And he said, right. he said it's a worship experience for me. It's nothing mm-hmm. but worship. He said, every day I'd come home and tell my wife, the wonder and complexity of how right. a human is constructed points to the inevitability of a creator that brought order right. to this. There's the, the, the plausibility of we existing is so minute. There's no, it's an impossibility without a creator catalyst that helped design this whole DNA molecule and everything else. And it did the opposite of what some people fear with science. And somehow it'll drive them away from faith. It drove them deeper into faith, much like your your bird story in, in yeah. the university. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, Roseanne mentioned something similar. How about genetic sequencing? Yeah. That's that's huge. Um, I, I I remember someone saying, I forget where this was. I wish I could cite them, but they said, I of course I'm a Christian. I don't have enough faith to not be a Christian. <laughs> they said, they said, when I look at all the, the way things are wired, I don't have enough faith to believe that this was chance. That's good. I don't have enough faith to, to have that as my belief system. So, uh, that's something. I love it. Um, and you know what, Jonathan, you, you said something earlier, uh, today when we were chatting quickly about what do we wrap our, our beliefs around? Um, yeah, truth, right? Like, and, yeah. and we were just talking about it when we were even talking about politics. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and a lot of people don't like that comment they, because it speaks to an exclusivity about truth. Now, we know we can find truth. There's truths recorded even in other uh, religious books and writings. Uh, there's some crossover in the wisdom literature found in Proverbs as well as in some other religions and, and some other writings. But we need to understand that wherever truth exists, God is at the author level. And right. uh, truth is something that as followers of Jesus, we should crave. We want. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're on the search for. We're looking for. Uh, but we're careful to wrap our beliefs around uh, central truths and wrap them around founded truths. And like for, for me, the person of Jesus, uh, I think on that Alpha weekend was such a great weekend to focus in on the historical, the historicity of Christ, his resurrection. Right. Uh, you know, how much is chronicled? And one of the greatest proofs and one of the uh, pieces of my life, Matt, that helped change me 
to want to follow Jesus was uh, when I began to read scripture and I, I, looked at, I looked at it and I thought, man, if you're making this stuff up, you'd never write it this way. You'd never right. write in all of these baffling moments where these disciples are falling all <laughs> over themselves and they don't look yeah. like heroes at all. You would sanitize yeah. the text, you clean it up and make some heroes. And I realized, man, this is real. That reason yeah. why it's filled with holes and weird stuff and terrible sinful stuff and broken people is because it's real. It's a story yeah. of how God takes us as we are and loves us into who he wishes us to be and designed us to be. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't make that up if you were if you were founding a religion. Yeah. You wouldn't make up the stuff that we see in there. Um, and and you know, I I, th- I think for 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 how we're seeing science and truth, uh, we're we we uh, we are open to whatever science discovers, and we see it as more exploration towards what our Creator right. has made. And you know, there might be some changes slightly as as we discover, but science isn't. Uh, a belief system as much as it's a process, right? When it's done right, you have a hypothesis and you test it. And so when science is, is at its best, you're often you're testing the wrong thing until you figure out more and more closely what is the right thing. But it's kind of a process you go through. And that leads you closer and closer towards truth. Uh, and, but it never says, I have truth. Science never promises that. I think there will always be limitations scientifically because uh, there, if we look historically, there have been gaps. <laughs> Science has raced ahead of itself, made claims that we later found were untrue, and all of, all of those things. But that's not to disparage the scientific process, like you said. Much, uh, there's not a, one of us watching right now that doesn't love science. Because we all drive cars that have been produced <laughs> by engineers. And we use phones that engineers have put together. And to be able to view something and talk to someone and connect with someone, uh, you know, 20 years ago, with the ease we do right now, look at what science has done. The ventilators that so many people are on in COVID-19, the, 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 the computers and the right. technology right now, we all love science. We all love it. And I and I, I think we all have a belief system, Matt, whether it's an atheistic belief system Absolutely. or a following Jesus one. And I don't have all the answers. And maybe nobody wants a pastor to say that, but, but we can't have. We have limited understanding and limited perspective in this life until we see him face to face, you know, until the blinders are fully taken off from our life experience. And until then, I can tell you this, you know, by vice gripping onto the person of Jesus, that is the one operating system in this life that leads to everlasting peace. It's yeah, the person of Jesus. Absolutely. All right. So that, with that, on that note, uh, let's head to, towards how do we practice this? How do we live it out? But just before we do, I just want to shout out Jerry's comment about the hammerhead shark. <laughs> I love them. Uh, they're strange-looking beasts, but I, I'm going to have to look into it, Jerry. Uh, um, I don't know much about them. I think so they have I'm sensors sure. in the front. I, I love, right, I love yeah. narwhals. Do you call them narwhal or n- narwhals? Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They're my favorite man. I love that. They actually have. That's a tooth. It's yeah. a, it's a tusk. It's not a, uh, a unicorn thing. I'd love to have called. one, but not off a live <laughs> one because that wouldn't be right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, that's so cool. Okay, so let's go to practice. Yeah. Um, so we had the question earlier. I, I mentioned it from Aloha Man. Uh, the, 
the the thing is to not make it an idol, yeah. to put it in ultimate significant priority place. That's not where we put environmentalism or the envir- the cause of the environment. So how urgent is it, Jonathan? Yeah. How do we prioritize it? Like what? How important is this issue? And uh, Aloha Man is touching on something that I think is this is worthy of a bit of a conversation. Um, if if your loved one is dying right now and they need acute care, well, that requires a critical response. Uh, right. Some of the racial injustices that were uh, unearthed this last year resp- requires a critical response. I mean, people are hurting. This is society is is bleeding in those moments. Um, but a lot of what we're talking about with climate change has less to do with critical response, more with habitual response. So I think we're all driven towards critical response needs. So a hurricane hits, we want to help. I get that. Uh, you know, someone suffers loss, we want to help. It's easy to get that because there's a crisis moment. And a lot of what we're talking about with climate and stewarding uh, the earth, it's less of crisis unless you're living through a hurricane right now. It's, right. it's more we're watching this all happen in this world. We have a scientist who says not only is it true, it's happening at an accelerated rate and it's impacting the lives of others. So, it, but, but we don't see it in our day-to-day. It's like, you know, when I saw, I saw one of your sons the other day and I hadn't seen him in months and he was so much higher. Now, you don't yeah. notice it because he yeah, li- no. you live with him. So you don't notice every once in a while. He, I pick him up, and that's yeah, what I yeah, notice. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 I noticed because I hadn't seen him in so long that I noticed it right away. And that's the problem with the environmental things. We're all living around it, so it's hard for us to see it in our daily lives. And so we're trusting the science. A lot of this, we see evidence of it, but anecdotal evidence. But we're trusting the science right. in this. And our response should be to make habit changes. We're trying to that's good. make some changes. And the way we live, what we consume, and how we steward what we have so that those habits over time build in lasting change. Less crisis management, more long-term health management. That, that's really good. Um, I, think, I think that habit building is, is the key. And, and it ties right into um, the options. I, I mentioned this, I think, the first weekend uh, when we're talking about Love Army. Uh, this is brilliant. And this is one of the reasons I love what the Love Army is yeah. doing is because it is so easy to be immobilized by the choices we have, by the opportunities we have, by the, the level of research. You know, we were talking about how politics, people wonder why people don't vote. It's the same thing that Roseanne was mentioning. It's that responsibility. Like, how do I know which one's the right, right. one? I have to do a whole bunch of research. Ah, forget right. about it, Right. Uh, it's the same thing with a lot of, I think, of our, our environmental interactions. Sometimes it could be like, I know it's an issue. I know it's out there, but I don't know what the right thing is to mm. do. And so I am so ap- appreciative of how the Love Army has gone through and put like a list of 10 accessible things to yeah. do that we're, we're jumping in on this month. I'm also going to put a link to 10 things uh, that uh, are, are from a Canadian uh, foundation that were recommended by Catherine Hayhoe. If you want to take it to the next level, Beautiful. think of this as like 11 through 20 uh, of, of other things that we can add, add to the Love Earth Challenge. Yeah, I mean, even incorporating one habit begins a trickle effect. You know how that works, friends. Uh, you know, I know I got emails from some people in the church. Uh, shout out to Alan if he's watching. He and his son 
uh, decided to reduce their meat in, uh, consumption. And that's that's yeah, huge. Was, well, that's a big sacrifice. That is a big. And he said, "I'm a meat lover." But but it yeah. was interesting listening to Catherine talk about the impact of meat. You know, fish, the least impact on the environment. Then chicken. Then pigs. And beef is the biggest impact. And I love steak. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's true. But, but it it was interesting. So even our choices in consumerism impacts the environment and the world around us too. And it's the small little things that make massive differences when done over time by a great group of people. And One Church Theo is a great group of people. Yeah, habits are so powerful because eventually they became, become how you do it. I have, I have a little timer on my yep. watch. Every time I wash my hands now, I've turned it on and it counts down from 20. And I didn't realize that I wasn't washing my hands long enough until I started doing this. <laughs> in, in our home, we, we like teach our kids to sing A, B, C, D, E, F, G if, if they're washing their hands. But they sing it so fast. Yes. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, L, Exactly. But it's amazing how today I was washing my hands. I didn't even think about it. And I realized I had started washing my hands longer. I had started building that habit right. just because I had an influence in my life. On my, on my wrist that was encouraging me to do, to just keep that in mind. And it's amazing when you, this might feel like a, an overhaul of some of the ways you do things. It can be complicated to try and change the systems that you have in your life to like uh, uh, start recycling differently, starting to compost or whatever. All these types of things can feel complicated or I have to go change all my light right. bulbs. But then after you do some of these things, it's amazing how that just becomes a new way of thinking about, about uh uh, life, wherever you go, uh, if you ever travel, if, if you're from Toronto and you're holding on to anything and, you, and you're, you're looking for the recycling, uh, the recycling bin in the public, uh, you know, it could be in an airport or something. In Toronto, we are so blessed to have that, that type of, of infrastructure. But it's amazing how it just, you got to build those systems to start, start acting it out. So good, Matt. So good. And one of the reasons I knew having this live stream with you, I wanted to, is not just because Jerry set you up to be the champion of the earth, <laughs> but because as long as I've known you, you and Margaret have practiced uh, sustainable living, Not, and I'm sure not perfectly, but you've really been intentional Certainly to not. do the best you can with what you can w w where you're at. And that's been, I know Shelly and I have been motivated by watching some of the ways you guys have chosen to make purchases and chosen to do certain things in life, Matt, because this has been a part of the gospel expression of you and Mark. Uh, that's cool. Some things, some things you feel compelled towards, and I think this comes, I'll, I'll wrap my contribution up with this, Jonathan. This comes back to how we run our faith. Mm -hmm. I think if there's one thing, if, if we're putting this into practice and you're not sure how, like, how should I prioritize this, mm -hmm. When should I do this? Like, what, which challenges should I really take on? What can I really afford to do? All these types of things. I would say start praying about it. Because the Holy Spirit, when you give Him the space, will start leaning you towards stuff. And as He does, as you are respond in obedience, it's amazing how that will just lead to new areas where He'll, he'll convict you. And it will, it's funny. Maybe when you go and start praying about uh, climate change and environmental stuff, He might start challenging about relationships instead and saying, you might need to work on that. And uh, just, I think as followers of Christ, we go to the Holy Spirit and we ask him to lead us. How do we, how do we serve him better? 
How can we open up our lives to him? I love that, Matt. Listen, I'm not going to be Catherine Hayhoe. She's given her life to this, uh, to Jesus primarily, but her professional life she's given to the elevation of this issue and the science around it and the restoration of this planet. So what a beautiful, amazing cause that she's giving her life to on her professional side and the person of Jesus on her face side. Uh, for, for me, I'm fully invested in helping people. And I wish we all felt a little bit more of that critical edge about people facing a crisis eternity. Yeah. Uh, disturbs me, keeps me up at night, uh, drives me in many ways. And yet I understand that it's not this or that. I get to do both uh, as a follower of Jesus. And obviously I have attention towards what I've, I, I'm, I've given my life to here, but uh, Shelley and I try to live our lives and increasingly trying to live our lives uh, in a way that represents this value to us, the ecological value of environmentalism and, and climate change. And John, uh, Jonathan, one of the things I love about your leadership is that you've never told us that you have it together. Yeah, no. In fact, very often, <laughs> often whether intentionally or not, <laughs> you show us that you yeah. don't. So they'll, they'll tease for you. Um, but but I think that's something. I, I I hope that you hear this loud and clear from us as as leaders at the church, but even us as an organization. We do not have this together, no. but we know it matters. And so even as you're, you're telling me I'm, I'm good at this stuff or something, I, I, I am it, in that area, I may have taken a couple steps ahead of some people, but there's so many things I still think I should be doing. And in so many areas of my life, I'm not that far along. And we just need to keep that open Listen, posture. Part of, I, I'm not sure how Keith is going to handle this this coming weekend, but I see this issue of planet Earth being the restoration of society and mm-hmm. the brokenness in this world it's the restoration of not just the uh, climate and the physical elements of this world, although it includes that. It's the restoration of human beings and the dignity of God in them and right. the image-bearing uh, image of God in them being restored. So for me, it's kind of an all-encompassing thing. And so, Matt, you know, I'm looking at our time. It's 8.05. Yeah. And I wonder, yeah, we get going. would you pray? Would sure. you pray for our community would you pray for us? Uh, I'm thinking of the Love Army. Jerry gave a little shout out again. You know, yes. we, we have a month to go. Uh, I don't know how many trees we planted yet, Jerry. You might be able to throw. Yeah, them. put it in there, Jerry, if you yeah, can. Put, put awesome. in there how many trees. But there's still time to go and plant a tree virtually. Uh, there's some challenges still to be done. Hope you do that. Let us know uh, so we can encourage others. You don't need. You can do it anonymously, but you can encourage others that you and the One Church Theo family were doing this together. And just a little side note, some of you may not know this, we've had other churches now reach out from across Canada wanting to join the Love Army. So, Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's so cool. I love what Jerry's doing with the team there. But even if they were throwing all those good ideas at us, if you weren't doing them as a church, uh, it mm-hmm. would not nearly have the traction but I've been in meetings with leaders right across Canada and Alpha Canada, and they bring up Love Army. They say, hey, tell us what you guys are doing. I just say that to say, God is using this church to help uh, inspire some others uh, to get in on this journey to do good and become an unignorable force of good. And that's not to pump our tires, but that's just to say, friends, I hope everyone listening, I hope you all are a part of the Love Army. Hope you're all doing something. We don't have to do everything, but doing something 
to just come along some of these uh, projects so we can move things forward together. Matt, why don't you pray, lead us in prayer? Yeah, let's, let's pray. God, thank you for a great community where it's a safe place to have these conversations. Thank you for placing us into a community where we are challenged and encouraged by each other. But ultimately, God, we want to be going to you as our primary source. Uh, and so we ask, Spirit, that you would continue to lead us as uh, a community towards things that matter, towards things that make a difference, not just for our temporal existence, but for all eternity. And God, I pray that you'd also help each of us learn what it is to trust you a little mm -hmm. bit more, to listen to you a little bit more, that your Spirit speaking to us would lead us towards changing our lives. God, I know as we trust you, I know as we listen to you, we're building that muscle we're, we're, you, you don't yell at us. You, you speak quietly and softly to us so many times. And so, God, I pray that our ears would be tuned to your frequency, that we'd be able to hear what you're saying to us. And then, God, I pray that you'd help us to have that commitment, that obedience, that, that see-it-throughness, so that we could follow through with what, what we're taking on these days. And, God, I pray for, for everyone who is taking on these efforts, God, I pray that you would help us to continue to grow in, in ways that are compelling to our community. Like Jonathan was just saying, God, we, we do feel that uh, the cause we really, really burn for is for people to come to know you. And so may all these other things we do, may they create a community that is so full of life, so full of goodness, so full of... of um, uh, of beauty, that it is attractive, even on the outside, that they would want to come and see what is motivating this. What way of seeing the world is causing these people to live so radically different, so, so generously, so selflessly in ways that make a difference for people that don't even agree with them. And so God, we see this, the way we steward your earth the way we care for it, we, we see that as an opportunity to do just that, to speak life into our community. And so may our actions do that. And God, we, we pray that we would be good listeners and good doers of what we hear from you. Pray all this in your, your beautiful name. Amen. 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 All right, Jonathan, I got to get you to close it out so I can actually <laughs> push well, buttons it's here. It's easy to close it out but because 135 trees were planted by one church CEO so That's far. That's awesome. I like how uh, Jerry said... A tiny forest church. <laughs> I love that. Hey, One Church Steel, we love you. And so thankful for you. And so thankful to have the type of community we can have these conversations with that sometimes challenge us and sometimes even make us uncomfortable. But what I love about you guys is your love one for the other. We make room for each other. You know, we're all a little different. <laughs> we can all be a little different in our thinking. And we can still all love Jesus. And we can still... I unite around those central things, and I love the way that you respectfully make space for people in our community. It, I think it's one of the most beautiful things about One Church CEO that we can be so diverse with so many different cultures, so many different generations, and yet we can have this passionate love for the person of Jesus that motivates us. Hey, stay Jesus-y this week. Love you, One Church CEO.